Hey everyone, you're listening to the 107 podcast where we get together every fortnight and sometimes more often to talk about technology, business, and the humans in it. I'm your host, Ivan Stegic. My title at 107 is President, and for the last few years, as I've extracted myself from running the day to day operations of the company, I've been afforded more time to focus on the people in our team. As a result, I've spent a fair amount of time thinking about how, as a company, we can make a difference in people's lives and whether we can have a broader impact than the immediate members of the team. Sure, there's health insurance and 401ks and time off that we offer as benefits, but what else can we do to make all of us sustainable and how can we be nicer to the environment in our own daily operations? Well, I'm proud to say that as of the beginning of this year, 10.7 started to purchase renewable energy certificates and water restoration credits for every full-time employee at 10.7 on a quarterly basis. And we're not just purchasing the average amount a home uses in the U.S., we're purchasing a little more. I'm sure there's a claim we can make about that as a company somewhere, but I'm not 100% certain what that claim might be. Which uh, brings me to our guest today, who will be able to give me some sort of clarity around the actual statement I can make around the certificates we're buying. My guest today is Heather Schrock, and she is the Environmental Products Representative at the Bonneville Environmental Foundation in Portland, Oregon. That's B-E-F for short. Maybe it's BEF, I'll have to ask you, Heather. I'd like to spend the time today finding out more about BEF and why the organization's work today is so much more important to us as a society than it ever has been. So hello, Heather. Welcome to the podcast. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me. It's awesome to be talking to you. Is it BEF or is it BEF? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think BEF is fine. Um, Beff reminds me of my high school water polo coach whose name was Biff. And (laughs) I don't really need to be reminded of that. So BEF works great. Great. And Biff reminds me of Back to the Future and the guy who had that truck of manure fall on him. (laughs) Yep. There's also that Biff. (laughs) So BEF is the Bonneville Environmental Foundation. It's a registered Mm -hmm. 501c3 nonprofit. I'd love to hear about the origins of BEF. Where were you founded? What was your mission back then? Tell us something about that. Sure. Um, So Bonneville Environmental Foundation has been around for about 20 years. We just celebrated our 20th anniversary in 2018. Um, We were founded in Portland, Oregon, and mainly we were founded to uh, see if we could make some impact in the areas of both water restoration and climate change. And that has been the nexus at which we have worked since then. And so that kind of change is, uh, <laughs> it's global in nature. It's a big idea to follow. So has yes. your mission changed at all in the last 20 years? The mission itself is essentially the same. I would say what's changed the most has been um, our, our approaches and what has become relevant over time as the world has changed. So 20 years ago was a very different world from a renewable energy perspective, from a, a water scarcity perspective, 
Um, so we consider ourselves a, kind of an entrepreneurial and innovative, innovative nonprofit. So as things change, we try to adapt and move with those changes to stay on the front end of of uh, anything that we can do to make an impact. And while it is global, our work does mainly focus in um, North America, mostly in the United States. Um, but we do hope that there might be a ripple effect outwards. It seems like there's uh, a fair amount of climate denial, climate change denial that we hear about in the news. And I feel like that's been... Uh, in my own psyche more in the last five to 10 years than it's ever been, because it seems like we're at a critical juncture these days. I'm not sure what it was like 20 years ago. I know that about 30 years ago, when I was still in South Africa, I would watch TV and there was always some scary thing about CFCs and the ozone Mm -hmm. layer. That's as far as I can remember going back. (laughs) What what was the state of climate? climate change denial like 20 years ago? Because I would imagine that things have changed, or maybe they haven't. Um, Well, I think about 20 years ago, uh, and of course I wasn't with the organization 20 years ago, but just from my my own recall and my own memory, um, it it wasn't even called that yet, of course. It was called uh, global warming at that time. Um, It's kind of evolved into climate change as a more appropriate thing to call it. And I think uh, just since then, we just have more and more science that just keeps piling up and piling up that supports that this is uh, something that is real, it is happening, and it is uh, caused by humans. But there certainly is, as we know, a lot of denial out there. And I, I in, in my job and uh, BEF in general, we don't really spend a lot of time trying to convince people. We just do the work that we know and hope will make a change. There are lots of organizations out there that that do focus more on changing people's minds and getting more people on board. Um, We do other types of work, even though that work is very important. We focus on trying to solve the problems that will hopefully, um, you know, maybe even reverse climate change someday, even though that's a huge thing to say. We like to be hopeful. I love it. I want to be hopeful as well. It's, uh, I think it's within our reach. The more we do as organizations, as small businesses, as large businesses in the everyday life we have, I think the, the more of a positive effect we can have. Now, you mentioned your role at BEF. Uh, your title is Environmental Products Representative. What, what does your day-to-day <laughs> look like at BEF? Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned my title because I believe uh, I may have a title change soon, but essentially my work at Bonneville Environmental Foundation is in uh, under the business development umbrella. So I, mm. I interact with um, businesses and entities such as governments, cities, counties, universities, uh, and such, other nonprofits who are interested in looking at their own impact, especially from a water, carbon, and energy perspective, and doing something about it. And the reason I I represent the environmental products is because those are one solution um, and one approach that a business can take to address their environmental impacts. Um, And of course, there are lots of other approaches as well that I 
like to, to discuss with businesses um, from an energy perspective. Obviously, there's efficiencies and conserving energy, but at the end of the day, most businesses, I don't know any business that doesn't have any footprint at all. There's some, some effect, and when there's something left there, what we call an unavoidable footprint, we consider uh, the solution of using something like a renewable energy certificate, like you guys have, carbon offsets, and the water restoration certificates as a way to balance the remaining unavoidable uh, environmental footprint. Let's talk about the uh, those three things you um, just mm -hmm. mentioned, the water restoration certificates, the renewable energy certificates. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, the water restoration credits, <laughs> <laughs> the renewable mouthful, energy yeah. certificates, and the carbon <laughs> offsets. Absolutely. Can you give me a, a high-level description of each of these three things that we just talked about? Sure. So a renewable energy certificate, actually let me start with offsets since those were first on the market. A carbon offset represents one metric ton of uh, greenhouse gases that has been in some way uh, mitigated, sequestered, removed from the atmosphere. And there's lots of different ways to do that, such as uh, you know, uh, sustainable forestry, capturing landfill gas, capturing methane from dairy farms and such. A renewable energy certificate uh, is represents a thousand kilowatt hours of renewable electricity. So that would be something like solar or wind, and that also is uh, can represent some greenhouse gas emissions reductions. Um, but it is a kilowatt hour per kilowatt hour match as opposed to matching the metric tons of greenhouse gases. And then lastly, the water restoration certificate is uh, represents one thousand gallons of water restored to its natural environment or restored to a critically depleted watershed or water resource. So all of these tools or, or products are essentially, um, essentially they are a financial tool at the end of the day, and they enable entities of all sizes, um, from small businesses to individuals to large uh, Fortune 500 companies, they allow everyone access to uh, the ability to offset their footprint. So you don't have to be a huge corporation with a million dollars to invest in a stream restoration project. You, as a small company, as you have done, can, can buy smaller amounts and have a piece of that uh, that stream restoration in a in a one thousand gallon increment, and the collective impact of many businesses doing that is what creates change and moves the needle on all of these uh, carbon sequestering, renewable energy, and water uh, restoration projects. I recall that this was um, based on a law of some sort in the United States Congress. Is, is that accurate? Hmm. That is a good question. You mean the creation of carbon offsets was based on a law? Yeah, I seem to recall that there was some law that mandated some sort of a energy market or a credit market or something. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not. Maybe this was something that organically happened. I'm, I'm just curious about how um, the idea of selling cr uh, credits or offsets for things that 
you don't actually see and own, right? These are, this is a, almost a virtual market that 10.7 is buying from, that anyone can buy from. And, and, um, like that, and I thought it was based on a law, but maybe it wasn't. And I may be wrong about this. I, I'm, I don't think it was based on a law. Uh, what I understand about these markets is that they are market solutions that were created because law and government wasn't moving fast enough to make the change that needs to be made. These market solutions uh, are a way to, as I said, move that needle forward and, and create the change that, that allows these these projects to happen, these projects where we'll be protecting so much more forest and creating so much more renewable energy resources than we would have if we didn't have that, that uh, financial incentive um, that we'd be able to sell mm. those certificates from those projects to help put into creating more projects. I could be wrong about that, but uh, I have not heard that that was created based on a law. Well, I your explanation sounds a whole lot more reasonable <laughs> than mine. I mean, that's what happens in supply and demar- demand markets, right. right? They they just happen because someone else is not doing what is expected. So that I would say that makes more sense. <laughs> it's it's possible, and I apologize if I if I am erroneous in that. But I will be madly googling after this podcast, and we may have to to print something afterwards if there's a correction to be made. <laughs> And and you know we'll we'll publish the publish links to the actual information in the transcript okay. as well. So for those of you listening, be sure to check the the website. The transcript will contain actual links. So I want to go a little deeper into the uh, renewable energy certificate. Mm-hmm. So we're buying these RECs and these WRCs mm-hmm. from you. We're purchasing more than the average U.S. household per year. I. I love that every person at 10.7 gets a PDF of a certificate via email every quarter and that the certificate itself is as specific as it is. I want to read what um, my certificate said when I received it this month. Big Sky Dairy Digester. Located at the Big Sky Dairy near Gooding, this new biodigester processes manure from about 4,700 dairy cows. This 1.3 megawatt waste-to-energy project is the first U.S. methane reduction project listed with the Gold Standard Offsets Certification System. 3 megawatt hours of clean energy generated. So here's what I'd like you to explain for our listeners. How are those three megawatt hours of clean energy that were produced, how do they relate to the energy that I use in my home from January through March of this year? What what did we actually buy? <laughs> exactly. It's a great question. And what a renewable energy certificate is, is a representation of the of the environmental attributes of the clean energy that was produced by that biodigester, for example. But the electrons, electrons, when they go into the grid, you can't actually track them or tag them or say, this electron came from this biodigester and this electron came from coal. Electrons are just electrons. They're, they're neutral. But on the grid, we have all these different sources of electrons. And the reason the Renewable Energy Certificate was created so, was so that individuals and businesses 
who who couldn't put a solar panel on their roof, uh, or who who couldn't put who don't have forty six thousand cows or however many there were forty six hundred cows <laughs> to to create renewable energy, so that they could make the claim that they are using renewable energy. They are getting the environmental attributes of that renewable energy. But an electron is an electron. So whatever electrons are going into your house, even if you have a solar panel on your roof, only for certain times of day, even on sunny days, is is it that those electrons from that solar panel are going into your home and actually being used at that time. More often than not, those electrons are just going into the grid and then coming out of the grid when you or someone needs them. So the grid is like a big ocean. You put a drop of water in the ocean, it just becomes part of the ocean. And that's very much how the grid works, the the electricity grid. So renewable energy certificates allow people to make those claims and to put money towards creating more renewables on the grid. And that was the purpose of creating them. And uh, it also made it attainable and made it so that a, you, could, you could get a slice of that. You could get one piece of that, even if you couldn't afford an entire solar system, a solar system, <laughs> solar array. We're going into astronomy now. Even if you couldn't afford an entire solar array, you could still try to match. It's, it's basically a matching. You're matching the renewable energy kilowatt hours to the actual kilowatt hours that you're consuming so all electrons are created mm-hmm. equal. They are. All right. I like that. <laughs> That's a great explanation. I think I understand it a little <laughs> bit better now. Um, now, the water restoration credits are mm-hmm. a little different, right? The um, uh, the renewable energy certificates are kind of industry-wide, right? You can buy those mm-hmm. from different organizations. But my understanding is that the water restoration credits are a little different. Mm-hmm. Different and is it credits or certificate? Officially, we do call them certificates, but you can say credits if you if you would like. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm going to say WRC. <laughs> How's that? Okay, so WRCs are unique to BEF. Is that right? That is correct. We did create WRCs. And uh, tell me about why that happened and what you're trying to achieve with that. Well, again, we were looking for some kind of solution, some something that would help us uh, create change in the water restoration space. And, and let me also mention that BEF was instrumental in creating the renewable energy certificate market as well. So we had some experience creating a market oh. solution. Yes. So so it just kind of dawned on us, and this again was before my time uh, at BEF, but I've, I've heard the story and I now feel so much a part of it, um, but that at the time, um, we again had this situation where there were, were entities that, uh, you know, wanted some kind of way to, to essentially kind of offset a water footprint in a similar way that you can offset a carbon footprint with carbon offsets. And we, as, as an organization, you know, always looking and trying to innovate and find ways to, to fund the boots-on-the-ground work to, to make a change in 
and to help heal our, our watersheds, we're looking for something. So this market solution idea came to us and we, we created it. It took quite a few years actually to really get it going um, because we wanted it to have you know, also the integrity um, behind it. So we needed to find third-party verifiers. We needed to make sure we could register the certificates um, so that they wouldn't be double-counted. So we couldn't say we sold 100 to you and then sell that same 100 representatively to someone else. Um, so we did all that work and created the WRC. And uh, it's still unique to us, mainly because it's not a viable market solution from in the sense that uh, somebody could just do that and make money. We do it because the money we make goes back into what we do as an organization. We, we do water restoration projects and we support water restoration projects, so that money goes right back into our mission impact work. Whereas you can sell carbon offsets and actually make money off of it, we don't uh, sell WRCs and make money in that sense. There's no profit <laughs> in that sense. It's really just a, a self-fulfilling, you know, prophecy of bringing that, that money in to continue to, to feed back into our water restoration projects. Tell me about how you can make money with carbon offsets. That sounds counterintuitive. <laughs> like, why would we be doing that? Yes, there are, um, many uh, for-profit and non-profit companies that uh, make money selling carbon offsets because it was a market solution and it was a way to not only put money back into the, the, the projects and, and get these carbon offset projects going, but somebody could make, could make a living doing that. Somebody could create a company and create business mm-hmm. and create viable business. So, and that's essentially what a successful market solution will always do is support business while supporting the investment, while supporting the, the, the project itself. Um, this just happens to be a market solution that has an amazing environmental impact. And for us, carbon offsets and renewable energy certificates uh, that is a way for us as a nonprofit to make some unrestricted revenue to continue, again, to put back into our projects such as water restoration and our uh, clean energy education programs. So I like to compare it to, to a gift shop. Uh, our, our environmental products is like our gift shop, just like you might go to the, to the gift shop on your way out of the Humane Society and buy a squeaky toy for your dog. And the money that, that they make from that goes to running the Humane Society. We sell these environmental products as a way to continue to support our nonprofit. That's um, a great analogy. Like I, we have a lot of experience with the Animal Humane <laughs> Society here in Minneapolis. So that, that's that's great. We love to be support, be buying your squeaky toys. That's great. Yes, you are <laughs> buying our squeaky toys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we talked about WRCs and RECs and the fact that you also offer carbon offsets. Now, water restoration certificates are unique to you. So I have to go to BEF to buy those. But I could buy these carbon offsets and the RECs from other organizations. Why should I buy them from mm-hmm. you? I mean, you don't have to sell me <laughs> on it. I'm already doing that. But like, what? Are, how are the products differentiated between your organizations and others? And why would we choose BEF? Partly for, for you know, the reasons I was just saying that, that you're buying our squeaky toy. So we are a nonprofit. We're a mission-driven nonprofit, of course. And 
we are doing, in my opinion, some pretty incredible work uh, in the water restoration world and uh, career-connected clean en- energy education. I feel like it's it's great to know that you're not only buying this environmental product, which is in and of itself important, but you are also supporting our nonprofit, and and it's for you know we're priced competitively with other providers, so you're not necessarily tacking on an extra donation to us. It's just built into the into the cost. So whereas you buy from a for-profit, you know that that margin goes for them to make a business, which is great. I I'm not against businesses. Businesses should make money, um, but but for us, you're kind of getting a double whammy of supporting our nonprofit while also making an impact in the environment and with your environmental footprint. So we think that's a pretty nice case to make to to purchase from us if you if you're trying to make a decision. We we think that's pretty pretty cool stuff. Let's let's talk about your funding for a little sure. bit. You're a nonprofit, so you you have to raise money. Um, you have obviously a diverse range uh, of funding, so there are certainly donors. I'm sure you guys have a grant writing um, part of your organization as well, and of course you're selling all of these credits. Can you talk about how things are split up? Where does all that funding come from? Sure. You know, off the top of my head, I don't know if I can say exactly like percentage-wise where it all comes from, but I can say that we get a chunk of funding from grants, as you said. We do get money from Bonneville Power Administration, which is uh, our namesake. So they are, and, and for those of you listening who aren't on the West Coast, Bonneville Power Administration is the, the one who generates all the electricity from the dams. We have dams here that generate hydroelectricity, and they do other forms of power, but they're known for, for their dams, especially Bonneville Dam, of course, um, which is, again, another namesake. So we have funding from grant sources, and then most of the rest of our funding comes from our products and services, so the, the products that I sell. And then we also do um, consulting, helping uh, organizations and, and uh, corporations um, develop their water stewardship strategies, for example. We're actually a little different from most nonprofits in that we, we don't typically do uh, fundraising in the traditional sense. Um, we don't really... Uh, you know, we don't have galas. We don't even actually even have a donation button on our website. Yeah. We we typically like to give something um, for for the money that we earn. So we operate in a lot of ways like like a business, except for of course there's a big chunk that is grant funded. So those, that's kind of the two main revenue streams that that we have coming in. That's really interesting that you don't have a donate button <laughs> on your organization. I was on. I spent a fair amount of time on the website. And I just realized that there's no donate button. <laughs> that's right. So <laughs> that may change. <laughs> unusual for a nonprofit. Okay. <laughs> and that may change. It hasn't in 20 years, but who knows? It might change. <laughs> I'd love to hear more about the uh, the projects that you have that actually support all of these WRCs and, and RICs. How many do you have? How are they chosen? It, it must be a, uh, quite a sophisticated uh, process in our organization to actually choose the right projects and to continue bringing new ones in. Right. You're asking specifically about the water projects? All of the projects. I, I'm, sh- I'm sure that, yeah, I'm sure there are um, not just for the yeah. water ones. So um, I'll just start with water because that is, again, our more in-house um, 
piece because the water projects that we support are all directly, you know, if we're going to create WRCs, it's from a project that we, we as an organization personally support and are putting some, some energy behind. Whereas with offsets and recs, we're on the retailer side of that relationship. So we, we do vet and, and choose the projects carefully. We, we always work with, um, for recs, there's a, Greeny is the certification for RECs, and then for offsets, there's several certifications, but we work mainly with four or five of them, uh, third-party verifiers, and um, we just like to have a nice array of, of those projects that, that we think people would be interested in. Um, you know, currently in our offset portfolio, we have various things from uh, landfill gas to forestry projects. We have an interesting marine project that makes marine shipping vessels more efficient and also protects some of the sea life. So always some interesting stuff there. But the water projects, there's actually, and I'll send you this link later, we have a project bank on our businessforwater.org website. So we have a separate website uh, that uh, we send people to that really specifically uh, talks about our our water stewardship uh, business engagements. And there's a project bank which we started because we were finding with water projects it was getting a little more difficult, whereas with carbon offsets and recs, there's, there's I mean, almost an infinite supply. <laughs> but with water projects, it's a little more difficult to match the needs of the, you know, the funder or the person who wants to buy those water WRCs or, or buy that, that, you know, invest in that type of water project, trying to match make between the funder and the project uh, can be quite difficult, you know, um, trying to get something in their region, something where they, they have an impact, something that aligns with their goals and their ideals around, around what a water stewardship project should look like. So we started this project bank and there's now several, gosh, dozens maybe on here, water projects that are in various stages of development. So some of them are done, some of them are in the middle, some of them still need funding, have funding gaps, Um, but there's some great, if you go to that link, which again I'll send you later, you can see examples of all these amazing water projects. And again, we started this bank so that we could uh, solicit water projects from other organizations who have projects that need funding and then so we can come in and help match make the funders to these projects that's wonderful that's businessforwater.org and we'll link to that in the transcript on our website Uh, is there one particular project that sticks out for you do you have a favorite a favorite water project oh gosh there's some really cool ones so most of our water projects historically have been very much your traditional type water leasing type projects where we're buying water leasing rights to to keep the water in stream instead of uh, having it all go to irrigation. Those are very, very common types of water restoration projects, irrigation upgrades, things like that. Uh, We've recently branched out into more urban and green infrastructure type projects. So there's one that we're undertaking in Los Angeles, which is a green infrastructure project that's a, a collaboration with Los Angeles City Council and the Green. There's a neighborhood association and also an organization called Heal the Bay, and we're all working together to create uh, this park uh, that will be 
have also an impact on the neighborhood. It will be a safe place for people to play and to move, and there'll be fitness stations. But the park itself will serve as a water quality improvement project in the Los Angeles River watershed. Mm. So that's really exciting that we're going to be able to save hundreds of gallons of potable water that will serve this neighborhood, but also creating this safe and fun space for them to interact with. It's turning what was just a block that had nothing on it that was just, you know, not a safe place to be into something that will be um, a neighborhood gathering spot. That's wonderful. Usually when I think of the work that you do, I always imagine uh, a valley between mountains somewhere (laughs) with a river running through it. It's always rural in my mind. And to hear it to hear that there are projects in urban areas, especially in mm-hmm. L.A., that that's that's a really um, wonderful, concrete example that I, I think changes the way I think about this now. So Great. that's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, we're excited to be going in that direction as well. In addition to the to the stream between the mountains uh, projects. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that you're working on right now that's um, important to the organization besides everything you're doing? Is there a big push for anything yeah. in particular that you wanted to mention? Well, I, I will say this. I mean, again, it's hard to choose. Everything is important. Um, so what I think I'd like to mention that that's really important is actually something that's going to be an overarching project for the entire organization And that is our DEI initiative. Um, We started about a year ago looking at diversity, equity, and inclusion and the intersection of environmentalism there. The environmental world kind of has a bad rap when it comes to, uh, you know, diversity and equity and has, has, has been previously thought of as, you know, that's kind of like the rich white person's, uh, you Mm. know, brigade. That's unfortunate. And it, you know, we want to, as an organization, do our part to make sure that we are as inclusive as we can be, that our work is affecting um, all different people and, and uh, that we also are bringing in more diverse people into our own organization. So I would say that that is very top of mind for us right now. And um, I personally am on the, the DEI action team here at BEF. And it's so important. Everybody has bought in. Everyone uh, throughout our organization from the very top down has bought in and is putting this as a high priority for our organization as we evolve, that, that we are keenly aware of our own diversity and our own inclusiveness in our projects and who we work with and how we move forward through this space. That's wonderful to hear. That's um, absolutely something that is needed in every industry, especially in the tech industry that we're a part of. And I I commend you on doing the the work for BEF and for your organization. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. It's, uh, It's been a great pleasure talking with you. You too. I really appreciate you giving me some time here today as well. And I I hope that I was able to share some things that were useful and interesting. And I'll go ahead and send you some links after this, if you'd like, to some of the things I was talking about. And um, it just was really wonderful to chat with you. It was wonderful chatting to you, too. And we'll be sure to post those links on the transcript. You can find the Bonneville Environmental Foundation online at b-e-f.org. 
And please consider supporting them by purchasing a renewable energy credit or a carbon offset or a water restoration certificate for yourself or even for your company. That would do our planet, our world, a whole lot of good. You've been listening to the 107 podcast. Find us online at 107.com slash podcast. And if you have a second, do send us a message. We love hearing from you. Our email address is podcast at 107.com. Until next time, this is Ivan Stegich. Thank you for listening. <laughs>